0: Welcome to Full Disclosure, a podcast to provide legal information and updates to individuals, businesses and business advisors in South Australia. This podcast is brought to you by Mellor Olson Lawyers, a full service South Australian law firm. The information, opinions and advice in this podcast are for general information only. In today's episode, we're talking with Duncan Song, Senior Associate at Mellor Olsen Lawyers. Welcome, Duncan.
1: Thanks, Lucy. It's great to be here.
0: Thanks for joining me. Okay, so have we ever heard the expression, if you can get through life without seeing the inside of the courtroom, you've done well?
1: I have, a (laughs) few times.
0: So I've got Duncan here today. As for many, the reality of being inside a courtroom is actually quite a daunting and not as glamorous as it might seem on TV experience. Um, It can be an unpleasant place and... I've brought Duncan along today to share some tips and tricks to help you through the process. Let's kick off Duncan.
1: Yeah Lucy, it's it's an interesting one because it seems to some people that it is like TV but litigation and, and being in court is actually a bit more like being inside a dark tunnel that you can't see where you're going and where it ends and there's no end in sight or in some cases a bit like a haunted house where you're walking through and things are getting ready to jump out at you from all around. So. Um, hopefully, by being here today, I can, I can help try and shed some light, shine some light in that tunnel and make it a little bit easier for people to navigate if they find themselves in those situations.
0: Okay. So, for my sort of inexperienced uh, situation, we call it litigation, but is that essentially being sued?
1: Yeah, that's, that's it in an upsell. It's a fancy word to say being sued, yeah. Okay.
0: So, where do we start?
1: Well, look, it's uh, it's one that, you know, people often try and avoid these situations, try and avoid um, winding up in litigation, but it is something that we have to deal with in life. You know, People do have disputes. So it's, it's handy to know, um, I guess, how to navigate that scenario, uh, and I guess the most important tip I can give to start, and it's going to sound like shameless self-promotion, but it's really not, um, is to get legal advice and to do it very early in the process. Um, Even if you intend on representing yourself, which is uh, something that people are able to do, um, it's important to get that legal advice at a really early um, stage in the proceedings because you want to avoid encountering issues that are easily avoidable that then can become quite serious down the track if you don't get it right to begin with.
0: Okay. So, if you get a solicitor involved, it can assist in what ways?
1: So there's a number of uh, things that it can do that, that can really help, um, and the best analogy I can give is to think of it as, as a train. So train runs on tracks, um, but you can sometimes have tracks that go in different directions, and based on which um, side of the tracks it's directing, the train will go in a different way. Um, and by getting legal advice early, it makes sure that you're going on, on the right set of tracks in the right direction, and the train can keep on moving. So some of the things that getting legal advice early on can help with are identifying whether you have a particular basis for a claim that you might think you have, um, or making sure that if you're needing to defend a claim that you're able to do that because you have a firm basis to, to um, uh, base your position on. Uh, a few other things it can do is it can help you be aware of where you're going to be particularly strong in your arguments and where you might be a little bit weaker that you can just be aware of. You don't have to be concerned about, but just aware of. And the same for the other side as well so that you know um, where, their, where their position is and, and where their strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, and, and then, as I said, making sure that for the rest of the, the litigation, whether you are being represented by a solicitor or not, you can have confidence that your train is heading in the right direction.
0: Right. So we are going down this track. We yep. don't necessarily want to be on. Yep. Um, you've sought advice and representation. Where do we go next?
1: So one of the, the things that we encounter a lot is people... Um, seem to get the basics wrong. They make basic mistakes. And it's going to sound very self-evident, some of these things, but you'd be surprised the number of times we see them. So it's really important that people do get the basics right.
0: What are the Uh, basics?
1: So, well, there's a a few. And and the the most common one, when you're finding yourself at the beginning of this process, is making sure that the party that you're bringing a claim against is the correct party. And that might sound very self-evident, Uh, But it is something that we see um, that is an issue that arises fairly regularly. Um, And and the most common example I can give is people mistaking business names for entities. So a business name isn't actually a legal entity. It has no legal structure to it. It's just the name under which a legal entity operates. So, for example, you might operate a florist called Flowers by Lucy. The, f- the name Flowers by Lucy isn't actually an entity. It's just the name that you personally would trade under. Mm-hmm. And so we see a lot where people will commence proceedings against a business name that has no legal actual substance to it. So things like that, making sure that you get the correct party um, is very important because it can be very expensive. It's not fatal, but it can be very expensive to fix those issues okay. further down the track. Um, one of the other things we see a lot, and this is... Usually, in larger litigation, is where people can mistake different companies. So, you might have, um, to take the same example, you might have Flowers by Lucy Australia Proprietary Limited as your company name, but you might have a second company called Flowers by Lucy South Australia Proprietary Limited, which is a separate entity altogether. You might be part of the same overall structure, um, but as a separate entity entirely, it has separate rights and obligations, and my claim might be against. South Australia rather than Australia, but if I commence proceedings against the wrong one, I can end up in all sorts of bother.
0: Right. So it's really important that you understand what your claim is and probably engage with the solicitor to work out who you're actually. Putting who it's that against. against, correct. Okay. So I feel like we start down that pathway and maybe this process is going to call upon a lot of organisational skills.
1: Very much so. What
0: are we going to do next?
1: So the more organized you can be, the more success you're going to have and the easier it's going to be for you to navigate what is undoubtedly going to be a stressful time with the least amount of stress possible. And obviously that's what we want to, we want to um, the situation we want to find ourselves in. So the more organized you can be, the better. The other advantage to being organized is that if you are dealing with lawyers, I guarantee you that it will cost you less because they will spend less time trying to figure out exactly what it is, that you, the situation you found yourself in mm-hmm. and, and what you'd like to get out of it. So um, one of the little things that, that helps with that is to make sure that if you are representing yourself, for example, um, if you have to attend at court for a hearing, just make sure you're on time. And when I say on time, my suggestion would be 15 minutes early. Um, but it's one that it's a simple thing. You don't want to be there rushing which courtroom am I in? Where am I going? Yeah. It's an what anxious am I doing? time anyway. Correct. Uh, and the worst thing that you can have happen is if you are late and you come rushing into the courtroom, you've already got the judge or the magistrate or whoever's hearing it offside before you've even started. Okay. And if you're going to go in there and ask for them to either make orders in your favour or, you know, um, oppose the other side having orders made, you don't want to be on, on the wrong foot to start with. So okay. um, being there early, making sure that you know where you have to go or that you have time to find where you go so you're not rushed, you're not panicked, really important.
0: Okay. So what if you genuinely can't attend though?
1: Look, that is a a problem that we encounter from time to time. Uh, Obviously, if you have solicitors who are acting on your behalf, then they'll attend for you and it shouldn't be an issue. If you don't, uh, it's not the be all and end all, Um, but what you need to do is contact the court and the other side and say, I need to have an adjournment of my hearing. Here's the reasons why. Um, I'm stuck in quarantine, for example, mm-hmm. or um, I'm interstate, whatever it may be. Um, let them know what it is, why you need the adjournment, and provided you give enough notice, um, usually that will, that will be done without too much concern. Can it
0: proceed without you? Could your solicitor attend in, in your absence?
1: Yeah, of course. If, if you've got solicitors, you don't need to be there and they can yeah. uh, appear on your behalf. They will uh, presumably ask you for instructions as to what you'd like them to do at the hearing, Mm -hmm. Um, but certainly they can attend on your behalf. Uh, To the same point, though, if you don't have solicitors acting and you haven't contacted the court and you haven't contacted the other side, the hearing will still go ahead, regardless of whether you're there or not. And in most cases, orders can be made without you being there.
0: Right. I imagine there's a lot of documentation and a lot of, I guess, paperwork surrounding litigation. Why is that?
1: Well, it's, it's one that it depends on what the nature of the dispute is, but a lot of people, the most common example is it's, it's a contract. I, I engaged you to, to perform some service for me, and, and you, to use the florist example, you used the wrong flowers in the bunch of, um, in the arrangement that I asked for, or whatever it may be. And usually there's documents that will govern what it was that you agreed to do, but there will also be all sorts of documents with me sending you emails saying now, this is the type that I want, this is the date that I need it, you saying yes that's fine, all that sort of stuff. And you can end up with a mountain of paperwork, most of which might not actually be particularly meaningful but it will be related to the matter somehow.
0: So the organisation comes into effect, have it in date order, have Correct. it all prepared.
1: And the, the more organised you can be with your documents, the, the easier your experience is going to be and there's, there's two reasons for that primarily. One is if you are representing yourself and you're in court before a judge and and the judge says, Lucy, on the 27th of February, 2018, um, you you said that you uh, agreed to provide this floral arrangement and you're sitting there going, that was three years ago. (laughs) I don't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. So having your documents ordered so that you can quite easily refer to them. Sorry, Your Honour, give me a moment. You find the document, you answer the question much less stressful way to be rather than just having them in a random array and you're trying to flick your way through um, to try and find them. The other reason that it can be particularly helpful is that if you're instructing lawyers, um, they're going to want to see all of these documents, they're going to want to go through all of these documents, and the more organised that they can be for them, the less it's going to cost you because there's going to be less time that they're going to have to spend looking through them all, but also, it's going to mean that they're going to be able to help you quicker because they're going to be able to get their head around what it is that you are dealing with and what it is that you want to get out of it.
0: All right. So make sure you've got the right uh, party that you're coming up against. Yep. Be on time. Be organised. Yep. Probably a pretty good idea to seek legal advice. Yep. I'm considering all the time and preparation that goes into being that organised and having the right advice. Um, I'm thinking that the, the litigation process could be quite costly, am I right?
1: You are, and it's one that there's, there's no getting around it, unfortunately. It is just a, a costly exercise, uh, and it's very important that people have reasonable expectations about their costs. So the, the, the most obvious thing that we encounter is that you'll find people have this belief that if I go to court and I'm successful, well, the other side's going to pay all of my costs for me and I'm not going to spend a cent because they're at fault and they have to pay everything.
0: I had that assumption.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's the assumption that most people have, but it's not actually a correct one. So, there are certain circumstances where you can end up in situations like that, where the vast majority to all of your costs can be paid. But it's very rare, few and far between, and requires exceptional circumstances. The more likely outcome is that if you are successful in your claim, yes, the other side will have to pay a portion of your costs. But as a rule of thumb, it works out to be about half to three quarters of the cost you actually end up paying. So even if you're wholly successful, you need to have a reasonable expectation that you are going to incur some fees uh, in either taking action against somebody else or defending an action that's brought against you.
0: Okay. Any tips on managing those costs? Because I guess sometimes if it's been you know, brought against you, you don't have any choice but to engage with a solicitor and try and give yourself the best chance of defending.
1: Correct. And and that's where we sort of Come back to my first point of getting advice early. Obviously, if you can start on the right track, you can avoid a lot of these these issues that you can encounter later on. But there are a few other ways that you can try and minimize your costs. So, again, being more organized will help with that. You'll incur less cost that way. The other thing is to make sure that when you engage with your solicitors, you give clear instructions. Those instructions can be dependent on their advice, and you might need them to give you advice as to the situation before you make your mind up. But if you can make sure that once you've had that information and you've made your mind up, your instructions are clear and they don't flip-flop or change or go backwards on what we've already agreed, you'll minimise a lot of cost that way because the solicitors will be able to just go forth and and conquer with whatever uh, instructions you've given them. Um, And one other important thing in terms of cost is to try and always keep a handle on where you're at in terms of how much you've incurred to date how much next steps in the process might cost, and your solicitor will answer these questions for you uh, and give you an idea of where that's at. But that can then avoid the, the risk of you know, staying in the dark, getting to the end of proceedings and being lumped with a massive yeah. bill that you weren't expecting. There's
0: surprises. Manage yep. it ongoing. So Correct. be aware that every phone call probably and every consultation is adding up. And,
1: and we see that quite often as well, where you'll get somebody sends you an email. And then they'll call you and say, oh, did you read my email? It's, yeah, I did read your email and I'm going to charge you for the time of reading your email and now the phone call to so talk about efficient. it. be efficient. Be efficient. Be efficient. Exactly right.
0: Right. What else helps the litigation process run more smoothly? And can you give us maybe an example of that?
1: One of the things that we see a lot is that people get locked into positions of, Lucy, you're my opponent, so everything you say is wrong and I'm going to disagree with absolutely everything you say and do because you're my opponent, you're on the other side. And that's really unhelpful generally. Um, You're better off staying open-minded and trying to narrow down the areas of dispute into what the core issues actually are. So you don't want to be in a situation where you're in a courtroom arguing before a judge that the sky is green because Lucy said the sky is blue and Lucy can't be right because then the the judge might think she's right about everything.
0: I can imagine that would be difficult though because you're generally up against somebody that you are you know, suddenly having very different views on. Correct. You just want to go at it.
1: Exactly right. And you need to try and pick and choose your moments of, well, okay, the sky is obviously blue. I don't get any benefit out of trying to prove that it's green. I want to be seen by the court as being reasonable and going, yep, I accept the sky is blue. But when we're arguing about what sort of flowers, flowers by Lucy we're going to provide me, um, no, I'm steadfast on that saying, nope, this is the position. Uh, And the court looks at that more favourably than you trying to just prove the other side wrong all the time. So
0: cooperation is favourable?
1: It really is, and it can even be more beneficial in terms of getting you an outcome that you want. So one thing that we always suggest to people is to maintain an open mind in terms of trying to resolve proceedings, to resolve disputes. And you can do that at any stage. We've had matters that have gone all the way to trial, been heard by a judge, the judge has gone away to write their judgement, and then it's settled. I'd probably advise you did that earlier in the process to avoid all those costs, but you can settle your dispute at any time. And it's something that you should always keep an open mind to be willing to do that. Um, one of the major reasons, obviously, is the cost side of things. If you can settle it earlier, you avoid having to run them matter to trial, which is the, the most expensive part of litigation. Um, but the other thing that people don't realize is that by agreeing a settlement with the other side, you actually get control over the terms on which you're settling. You're not going to present your case to the judge and then the judge decides what goes and you don't get a say. You can actually say, well, I want this, this, this and this as part of our resolution and provided the other side agree to that, then that's what will happen. And one of the the perfect examples I can give for that is um, in defamation matters. So if you um, are alleging that somebody has said something defamatory about you, most people want, as part of any resolution, an apology. They want them to say, "Sorry, I didn't mean that. It was incorrect, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Funnily enough, the court can't actually order someone to apologise. They can order them to pay money, etc., to compensate for damages, but they can't force them to apologise. So, if you're insistent on, "I want an apology," Uh, you need to have a private settlement where they agree to do that, otherwise you won't get your outcome.
0: So knowing what you want as an outcome is a really you know favorable and you know positive step towards the literature process.
1: And if keeping your, your solicitors, if you have them involved in that will help. Um, but circling back to, to staying open-minded, that's an important part of engaging in settlement negotiations. We see all the time people come in that say, nope, it's the principle, I don't want to settle. I'm going to fight this, I'll fight them on the beaches, I'll fight them wherever.
0: I want the judge to do that. Correct,
1: thing. yep. Okay. Um, but the reality of it is if you stay open-minded, you can almost always get a better outcome than running it all the way through to trial.
0: Okay, so we said we do this in six steps. Let's just recap, shall we? Yep. We've covered get advice. Yep. Get the basics right. Make yep. sure it's the right company or party. Yep. Be organised. Yep. Have realistic expectations around the costs, and stay open-minded. What's the final step to help us through this tunnel?
1: Well, we actually circle back to where we started, and that is to get legal advice. And we strongly encourage anybody who's involved in litigation in any capacity and at any stage to go and get advice, even if they're intending on acting themselves or continuing themselves. Um, Having that advice to put you in the right direction, to know where you stand, is hugely important and it avoids a number of the pitfalls and traps that people can run into.
0: Well, I wanna thank you so very much for joining us today, Duncan. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully no one actually has to see the inside of that courtroom, but if they do, hopefully some of these tips will help them through that dark tunnel.
1: That'll be good, I hope so.
0: Thanks so much, Duncan. Thank you, Lucy. The information in this podcast is general in nature. For podcast terms and conditions, for more information on Duncan, litigation or Miller Olsen Lawyers, please visit molawyers.com.au.